overhead. And, uh, but I want you to turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 3. I'm going to show you something. The enemy's lying strategy against you versus God's plan for you. Basically, how to fight your battles, how to fight this, the strategy of the enemy. And I'm going to show you the strategy of the enemy. How many would like to know the strategy of the enemy against every single one of us? Well, it goes back to the Garden of Eden. It goes back, and he's been using the same strategy over and over and over and over again. So I'm going to start in Genesis chapter 3 and read that and explain this strategy and let you get this strategy and then let you see and know and understand by getting close to God and understanding who you are in him, how the strategy of the enemy will be defeated. And that's how we fight our battles. And I'm going to show you there's many places in the scripture but I'm going to take you through Ephesians chapter 1 because we're doing, our life groups are doing that. I'm going to take you through that verse by verse by verse, showing you who God says you are and what you are in him. And make that so real to you, hopefully, by the time you walk out of here, that the enemy's strategy will be defeated and you'll be walking in the plan, destiny, and purpose that God has put in every one of you in the mighty name of Jesus. So that's the game plan today. So let's go to Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3. And I would say, as you guys are turning there, that at least 95%, I saw the number 95%, but at least 95% of all counseling that pastors do have to do with these two things. That one, we don't know who we are in Christ, and we're not believing his word. And because we're not believing his word, what he says we are and who we are in him, we're living beneath where he's called us to. Every single, everything centers around that. Fear comes from that. Everything comes from that. Every single thing. Matter of fact, I will show that to you as we get going. These two words I want to use, and I want to use them in this way. I want you to know and understand them is insecurity, not being secure in who you are in Christ, and inferiority, living below where God has said you should live. Those are the two biggest strategies of the enemy from the garden, and their two biggest strategies of the enemy against you right now. And I'm going to read now from, everybody there, Genesis chapter 3? Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 through 3. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast in the field which the Lord God made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said you shall not eat of every tree in the garden? Right away, he's questioning God's word. And so many of us have that in us that we question God's word. If we would just believe what it says and do what it says simply, no questions asked. So she began to question God's word, which would start this idea of insecurity. Or insecurity. And I'm going to read again the definition of insecurity because I told you what it was. Insecurity defined as this, the state of not being secure not confident in, not firm in, uncertain in. Isn't that what started to happen to her? Let's, let's continue to read. And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God said, You shall not eat it, nor touch it, lest you die. So then the serpent said to the woman, You shall not surely die. Again, not making her secure in the word of God. For God knows that the day you eat of it, your eyes would be opened and you would be like God's, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eye and the tree was desirable to make one wise, she took the fruit and ate it and gave some to her husband and he ate. 
So the setup begins. Adam and Eve were secure in God, walking in his garden. Their confidence was based on the fact that everything that God says is true. They began to call into question what God said, and they did something against what God said. And insecurity began to set up its ugly head and raise its ugly-headed people. Satan said, God indeed said, you shall not eat of every tree in the garden. It wasn't verse 4 that said, the serpent said to the woman, you shall not surely die. God said you would. He said you wouldn't. The first lie, not being secure in what God says. This lie has permeated mankind. And that was the reason for the fall, these two lies. The reason for the fall were these two lies, that we were not secure in what God said. Of course, the second lie, your eyes would be open and that you'll be like God's, knowing evil from good. God didn't make us like him in his image. God didn't make us like him. We, we are not in one with God. He made us inferior. We need to have our eyes open, and we need to eat from this so we can be like God. Inferiority. They believed that God was holding something back from them, and inferiority stepped in. I'm telling you, people, this, these two lies are in every one of us. It's the original sin. And until we get this strategy out of us, Come on, I know Christians, I know pastors, I know I struggle with inferiority. Not what the world calls inferiority, but sometimes I don't live up to what God says I am. That's inferiority. And that means I missed the mark. Sometimes I'm not totally secure in what God says I am. And then I miss the mark. But when we draw close to God, that's how we fight our battles. God said in his word... John 17, 17, sanctify them in your truth, for your word is truth. The word sanctify is a big word, Greek word, that basically says set them apart, put them in, secure them, set a fortress around them in your truth, in your, in your word, and your word will bring them truth. God's word will bring you into place of your security and your break off who you think you are, and put you in the position of who you really are in Christ. Amen? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. So, let's, let's quickly go through some things about this insecurity and inferiority before I go into Ephesians 1. What does the advertising world say to you? I mean, turn on the TV. Man, if you don't have that brill cream and you get some, I mean, that uh, what is that, head and shoulder stuff, and you get some of that on you, you're no good. And by the way, if you don't have this right type of hair and you have this beauty all over you, you're no good. And come on, if you don't look a certain way in your body, come on, you're no good. Billions and billions and billions and billions of dollars are being spent on making us look different, making us use products, making us seem like we have to do this or else if we're not, then we're not measuring up inferior to what they say we should be. Come on, the health industry alone. You got to be a certain weight if you're a man. You got to have six pack abs. You got, as a woman, you got to look beautiful. God says that our beauty is from the inside out. And that our beauty is because Jesus Christ lives within us. And the power of His Holy Spirit has been stamped and sealed upon us. And we live in the place where that Spirit lives within us. That's what brings beauty. That's what brings who we are in Christ. 
So the world takes us and continues. The world, the enemy, continues to use these things against us. Come on, even... I didn't want to go here, but I'll say it quickly. Transgen transgender? I know some of you young people don't think that homosexuality and transgender is a problem. What they're saying is, I'm not secure in what God made me to be. And because I'm not secure in who God made me to be, I have to change what God made me to be. That's inferiority and insecurity is what that is. But you can look at that as every sin, not just that. Look at every sin and you can relate them to these two things. Every sin in our life. Pornography. Come on. Overeating. Any addiction. Why would we be addicted to something other than Christ? Because of our insecurity and our feeling lower than the position that he put us in. And I don't want to spend a lot of time on the sins. I want you to now get a picture of who God says you really are. Because I'm going to, we're going to have, an, uh, during the altar call, we're actually going to have an anointing service to take you into a place of his revelation and wisdom of who you are in Christ and what he created you to be. Ephesians chapter 1, let's go to the, oh, there's the definitions. I don't know if you want to read them again. Okay, put them, next, next verse, or next slide. Okay, I'm going to start with Ephesians chapter 1, and we're going to go through all of Ephesians chapter 1. I'm going to use the Passion Translation. You can use other translations if you like. But I want to take this chapter of the Bible and let you see who you really are in Christ. We could have went anywhere. We could have went to different parts of the Bible, but I want to just use this. So please, this picture isn't complete in any way. In any, I'm not going to ever say it is, but it at least gives you a picture of who you are in Christ and how you fight your battles. So I'm going to read these verses, and then we're going to have an impartation. So in verse chapter, uh, Ephesians 1, 2, it says, I'm writing this letter to all devoted believers who have been made holy in being one with Jesus, the anointed one. Here's the first picture that breaks off insecurity and inferiority. Who have you been made one with? Who have you been made one with? Come on. All have been made one with who? Look at it up there. I'm not being... Come on. I want you, to, you can say, who have you been made one with? Jesus, the anointed one, the anointed one, Christ. That means Christ. Jesus Christ, you have been made one with Jesus Christ. You are one with Jesus Christ, period. That's what God says. There's no question about it, except that that's who you are. Because of him, he put his holiness on you, and he made you one with Jesus Christ when you accepted the blood of Jesus Christ. That alone, we could stop right there. Let's keep going, though. May God himself, the heavenly Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, what? Release grace over you to impart. Come on, we're going to have an impartation ceremony afterward. But to impart, boom, total well-being into your life. Do you want total well-being in your life? This is how we fight our battles. We draw close to him and believe what he says. Come on, verse 3. This is one of my favorite verses of all of Scripture in the New Testament. It takes you to that high place of the Holy of Holies because it says, Every single spiritual blessing in the heavenly realm has been what? Lavished upon us 
as a love gift from our wonderful Heavenly Father, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Because he sees us, all of us, wrapped in what? In Jesus Christ. In Christ. This is why we can celebrate him with all of our hearts. Every single thing in the heavenlies, you are an heir of God and joint heir of Christ. Everything that Jesus has, I have given to you, my brother. That's what God is saying. Everything that Jesus has, I've been given to you. Everything. This is God saying this. Is this a lie? God cannot lie. I want you to get this. This one verse, every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realm has already been lavished upon you. Why? Because he sees you wrapped in Christ. Wow. This is how we fight our battles. This is what you're securing. This is what your position is. You've been wrapped in Christ, Christ in you, the hope of glory. And because of that, everything that heaven has, because after all, isn't uh, Jesus heir of God? Aren't we joint heirs with Christ? Is this true or isn't it? Let's go to the next, next slide. Oh, man. I want to tell you something right here. Verse 4. Ooh. I'm, gonna, I'm getting ahead of myself. But for, verse 4 says the who, the what, the where, the why of who you are. All those things. All the W's. I don't know. I missed one maybe. When are all in verse 4. Look at this. Who chose us? He chose us to be what? He chose us to be his very own. God chose us to be his very own when he sent his son to die for us in our place and to bring us back into the family. We have been chosen to be his very own, joining us to himself. We have been joined to God himself. Come on. And even before he laid the foundation of the universe, this was done. He had a plan way before he even created this earth, before he laid the foundation of the universe, that you, you, would be one with him. Come on. That is so cool. Because of this great love, he ordained us. That means he set us apart. That means he, it was done. That means uh, I've got the definition of ordained. Appointed, decreed, ruled it, commanded it, consecrated it, established it, dictated it legislated it, prescribed it, pronounced it. He ordained us so that we would be seen as what? Holy in his eyes. Here's how God sees you. No matter what got all over you in this world, the blood of Christ has washed you and made you holy in the eyes of God. And in the eyes of God right now, you stand before the throne of God holy washed clean. And that's why Pastor Brenda, I think it was last week or the week before, says that when God looks at you, he sees you through the lens of Jesus Christ. Why? Because the blood of Christ now flows through our veins. You are wrapped in Christ. His blood has been shed so that he himself, his blood flows through you. And when he sees you, he sees you holy. God sees you holy in his eyes with unstained innocence. What does that do to the lie and the strategy of insecurity and inferiority? Come on. We need to get this and know it and understand it. And I know that we do sometimes, but I've I got to move on because I'm going to try to do the whole chapter. So, Verse 5 and 6 says, 
for it was always his perfect plan to adopt us as his delightful children. Hey, guess what? I got a story for you that you, it's not a story, it's the truth. Guess what, Aiden? You're a child of God. Cool. <laughs> we are children of God. This was his perfect plan. Through what? How? Through our union or our oneness with Jesus Christ. That's how we're the child of God. It's nothing you can do, nothing you can receive, nothing you can do about it. It's a gift. Through our union with Jesus Christ, the anointed one. So that this tremendous love that cascades over us would glorify his grace. God's grace is being glorified on us. It's a grace gift. I can't earn salvation. I can't earn what he sees me through. All I can do is receive it. And here's the issue that we have. A lot of times he's given us a gift. We got to receive it. We got to believe that it was his gift. We got to act on it. That's the part that is our part of it. Do we believe it? Do we yield to it? Do we act on it? See, really, our inner reality, as Dr. Dave Williams would say, our inner reality, who we are on the inside is going to show on the outside. And what we believe on the inside is going to show on the outside. And if we have, we have to get this as our inner reality. Here's what's going on is we are to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. The enemy is going to tell you you are not going to be able to live up to this. And you know what? In your own flesh, trying to, you won't. But this isn't about trying to. This is about receiving a gift. A gift of Jesus Christ. Come on. So this tremendous love that cascades over us would glorify his grace for the same love. Oh, the same love. Come on. That he has for his beloved one, Jesus. Come on. I want you to say that. The same love that he has for Jesus, he has for me. Did you lie when you said that? Did God say that about you? The same love that he has for Jesus Christ, he has for you. The same love that he has for Jesus Christ, he has for you. So that this tremendous love that cascades over us, again, would glorify his grace, that same love that he has for his beloved one, Jesus, he has for us. And this unfolding plan, come on, brings him great pleasure. Here's what God takes pleasure in. Us receiving this gift and believing him and letting him, his grace, love, just saturate us. And he wants to take us to a place as his children with him for all eternity in oneness. That's who you are. That's what you're destined to be. That's what you're created to be. And by the blood of Christ, every person on the face of the earth has the ability to receive that gift. And we are walking billboards of that gift. Come on. And we have the oh, who? <laughs> we have the ability to bring that forth in Jesus' name. Let's move on to the next uh, verse 7. Since we are now joined to Christ... Okay, since all these things are true, since we're now joined to Christ, we've been given treasures, the treasures of redemption by his blood. He only canceled some of our sins. Though. Come on, you guys didn't even catch that, did you? Total cancellation of our sins. Why? All because of the 
cascading riches of his grace. Again, nothing that we can do about it. He just, here's my grace. It just, I'm, his grace just saturates you. Cascading riches of his grace all over you. Come on, Jason, think about that. The cascading riches of his grace has saturated you from head to toe. Every cell in your body has been saturated with the cascading riches of his grace. Why? This superabundant grace is already powerfully working in us, releasing all forms of what? Wisdom and practical understanding. You want some wisdom? You want some practical understanding? Yield to the grace that he's pouring on you. Yield to what he's given you. Come on, I've been bought with a price, and this is not mine anymore. It's him, and Christ lives in me, the hope of glory. And I've got the same Holy Spirit that raised Christ from the dead living in this vessel. Come on, all i got to do is let him have it. Here's the great exchange. I receive your gift, and I receive all of heaven's glory. I receive all of you. I receive all these things, and all I do is just give you me, which is filled with, basically it says we're dead corpses in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. We're all dead corpses in our flesh. So I'm going to give you a dead corpse, and you're going to give me eternal life. Wow. Wow. <laughs> Where am I at? Verse 8. <laughs> Verse 9. 8. This superabundant grace is already powerfully working in us, releasing within us all forms of wisdom and practical understanding. Verse 9. And through the revelation... Of the anointed one. Man, that sounds like a book in the Bible, doesn't it? The revelation of Jesus Christ. Through the revelation of the anointed one in you, through the revelation of the, him breaking open and unveiling all the darkness that the enemy put over you of insecurity, of insecurity and of inferiority, of all the lies of the enemy, through that unveiling and releasing within us that, come on, he unveils his secret desire to us. The hidden mystery of his long-range plan, which he delighted to implement before the beginning of time. Before the beginning of time, you were thought out by God. He placed you on this earth for this time and this place. And for all eternity, you're his kid. And all these things that he talks about are yours because of his grace, because of what he's done for you. That's how you fight your battles. Somebody getting this? Let's go to the verse 10. And because of God's unfailing purpose, this detailed plan, whoa, how long is it going to reign supreme? Let's see. This detailed plan will reign supreme through every period of time until the fulfillment of all the ages finally reaches its climax. When God makes all things new in all of heaven and earth through Jesus Christ. Hmm. The enemy has no chance when we start believing who we are positionally in Christ and the security of knowing God's word is 100% true and reliable over each one of us. Whew. Through our union with Christ, we too have been claimed by God as what? Who's, I mean, come on. Here's, here's what God gets out of all this. Us. <laughs> you are his true inheritance. This is what he's wanted from day one. A free will lover. 
who will walk in the freedom of receiving this and love him because of his grace. You're the inheritance of God. This is not a sacrilegious, this isn't trying to build you up into something you're not. It's because of Christ in you. But you're the inheritance of God. Come on, that should actually have you walk a little bit taller and say, I'm God's inheritance. My daddy, father, God, Abba, I'm his inheritance. And begin to speak these words. I, through a different version, have pretty much memorized this chapter 1. And I do battle with this chapter 1 of Ephesians. It's all through the scriptures, though. Come on, to know and understand that my vessel is God's true inheritance. Who? Before we were even born, he gave us our destiny that we would full, fulfill the plan of God who always accomplishes every purpose and plan in his heart. So here's the key to all of this. I think Pastor Brenda was partially right, and we don't know for sure, so I'm going to go out farther than where I should, and maybe I'm getting off the word of God a little bit. But when he wipes away all the tears from our eyes in heaven, I think he's going to open up the door and walk us into our true destiny and purpose, exceedingly abundantly above what we could ever think, dream, or ask, and reveal to us what he created us to be and where we could have been. And because we didn't get there because of the insecurity and the inferiority and the things that we lived in in the world. But he'll wipe away those tears. He's still going to have us as his own and we're still going to be with him for all eternity. And I'm not trying to put a condemnation trip on you because we don't. The key is, is do we believe this? And the faster and more we believe it and understand it, the more we get to walk closer into this place. How many want to get closer to God? Here it is. Here's how you do it. Let's go to, I think I skipped verse 12 and 13, but in verse 12 and 13, did I? Yeah, verse 12 and 13 says, it was God's purpose that first the Jews um, in the Old Testament would bring in the mon uh, Jesus, the anointed one, and then through him coming into the world that it would be open up to the whole world, the Gentiles, the whole world, that, that they would become one. So I quickly went over those two verses because we don't have a lot of time here. Verse 13. 13. And, and I'm only taking the second half of verse 13. Now we have been stamped with the seal of the promised Holy Spirit. Bam. <laughs> he stamped us with the seal of his Holy Spirit. Come on, it's like the king with a signet ring. <laughs> God has that signet ring, you know, come on, that he's the king of the universe. You've been stamped with a seal of the Holy Spirit for all eternity. All principalities, all powers, all evil, all good, everything will be able to view that you've been stamped. Whew. Yeah. You, you've been stamped, come on, with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit now has taken residence, and it exudes out. And in this spirit realm, which is more real than our physical realm, all can see it. Ooh, stamped with the promise of the Holy Spirit. He's been given to us like an engagement ring. 
Um, in some places it says like the down payment or the guarantee. Basically, the Holy Spirit has been given to us because we are wedded to Christ for all eternity. And the picture of him being wedded to Christ for all eternity is so that people can see it. They'll say, hey, look at the engagement ring or look at the guarantee or look at the down payment. For all eternity, I am one with him. And I've got the power of his spirit living in me. He has been given to us like an engagement ring is given to a bride as the first installment to what is coming. Ooh, there's more coming. Come on. <laughs> Come on. You've been given all of the Holy Spirit as a down payment of what more he's going to give to us. How much more can he give to us? I don't know, but there's more coming. For all eternity, we're going to be on visible display for all the universe to see of what he's done with his children. Wow. He is our whole promise of a future inheritance which seals us until we have all of redemption's promises and experience. That means we actually experience this inside. It's not something that, oh boy, I would like to know and understand this and someday in the future I'm going to get it. You're going to experience and walk in this. This is true. We can walk in this. Seals us with redemption's promise and experiences complete freedom all for the supreme glory and honor of God. Ooh. Hmm. Now, that part prays for the spirit of wisdom and revelation actually is a prayer that comes next. That's not part of the scripture. <laughs> that should have been a headline. But what happens next is where I want to camp for a while. And then we'll close. Wow, it's already. Father, let us move forward quickly. I'm going to start with, um, here's what happens. There's a therefore there, or there's a, in this part, because of this, verse 15 at the bottom, because of this, it says in the Passion Translation, some of your Bibles say therefore, to say therefore. Because of these things, because of these things that God says you are, I'm going to get into a prayer that is so deep and so rich, and I'm going to activate through this prayer at the end of service your destiny and purpose, breaking off what the enemy's trying to put on you. So because of this, in verse 15, let's go to the next slide. I pray that the Father of glory, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, would impart, ooh, come on, we want this impartation of what we just went through. We want this impartation of all these truths that he put on us. And even though many of you have said, oh, I'm living there already, he's going to even take you deeper. Come on, it's exceedingly abundantly above what you could ever think or ask. He wants to take you deeper into this. He would impart into you the riches of the spirit of wisdom. And I speak that over each and every one of you. The riches of the spirit of wisdom of God be upon each of you that you know and understand this. Come on. In the spirit of revelation. Now, why can we have that? Because we do have his spirit. To know him through your deepening intimacy with him. This is how we fight our battles, as we draw close to him in intimacy. Intimacy with God, believing and knowing and understanding who he is, receiving the gift. He wants to be one with you. He wants intimacy more than you do with you. You're in, you are his inheritance. So deepening intimacy with him. I pray in verse 18, I pray that the light of God would illuminate the eyes of your imagination, would illuminate your mind. See, the battle's right here. Joyce Meyer was right. 
We are called to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. I will not live in the lie of the enemy. I will not believe what the enemy says to me. I'm not going to live beneath what God says and who God says I am. I will believe God. I will have my mind illuminated by the power of the Holy Spirit. The darkness that the, veil, the enemy has put on me has been lifted. He illuminates my mind of my imagination, flooding you with light. Come on, flooding you with his light until you experience the full revelation. I pray that you experience the full revelation of the hope of his calling, that is, the wealth of God's glorious inheritance that he finds in us, his holy ones. I pray you get it and know and understand it. Verse 19, I pray that you will continually experience the immeasurable greatness of God's power made available through faith. Then your life will be a living advertisement. Your life will be an advertisement of this immense power as it's working through you. Come on. Your life will be a living advertisement. Your life will be an advertisement to the whole world to see. Come on. To all of the universe to see. To all principalities and powers to see. To the angels. To the demons. Everything to see. Your life will be a living advertisement. Your life will be an advertisement of God's great power working in you. This is how we fight our battles. This mighty power. Ooh, before we go farther, I just want to give a short definition of faith. Faith is, the Greek word of faith has a kind of a large definition, but I want to focus on this faith. Fidelity or loyalty to his word and his authority. Do we believe this or do we believe the lie of the enemy? Faith is believing this. Our job is to receive the gift and believe we received it. Faith means that you're going to follow through with it because you believe it. It's something that's real. You experience it. So this mighty power, verse 20, that was released when God raised Christ from the dead and exalted him to a place of highest honor and supreme authority in the heavenly realm. By the way, in Ephesians 2.6, it says that we are already seated in the heavenlies because we're in Christ Jesus. He has been raised to the highest authority in the heavenly realm, and where are we? We are his body, and we are in him, and he is in us. Where are we at? And where are we at? The highest realms of heaven. Why? Because we're in Christ, not because of something we did, not because of our flesh, not because you can do good stuff in your flesh or because you think you can work your way there, not because of religion. It's because of who you are in Christ and the blood of Christ being shed for you that you are now in the highest realms. Come on. That's who you are. The highest realms of honor and supreme authority Verse 21. And now he is exalted. Jesus Christ is exalted. First above every ruler. Name that has ever been praised. Not only in this age, but in the coming age. There is nothing that is higher than Jesus Christ. And we're in Christ. 
22. And we'll close with verse 23, so we're getting there. And he alone is the leader and source of everything needed in the church. Is there anything that you need? Who's the source? Is there any issue that you have? Who's the source for us? When Crystal was talking about making a list, it was because we need to get it and understand it and write it down so it becomes more faithful. We become more faithful with it. He is the source of everything. Spiritual, emotional, physical, everything. There's no thing that's not every there, right? That's not good English, but do you get it? He's the source of everything needed in the church. You're the church. Is there anything you need that you cannot get from Christ? So why are you hanging on to this world? Why would we ever even get one thought of the enemy's lies? Of thinking that I'm not good enough because of this or that. Or I'm not secure in this word of God. After all, that's that Passion Translation, and I like the King James. And the King James or in the Passion, it all pretty much says the same exact thing. The Passion just spells out the words a little deeper and puts more adjectives and adverbs in there. Anyway, it's the same thing. It's the same God. He is the source of everything, and He lives in you and you are in him and you are exalted in the heavenlies and all the spiritual gifts of the heavenlies have been given to you to use for his honor and glory not for you to get rich in the flesh but to use for his honor and glory why so that we can be living advertisements of this great love and share it says we've been blessed to be a blessing in other scriptures if we walked in this we would turn the world upside down the world is hungry for this. The world doesn't know and understand this. That's why there's so much sin in the world. I'm going to tell you right now, sin isn't the issue. There's always been sin in the world. The issue is, is there's not enough Christians walking in this. You get a handful of Christians walking in this and understanding this and knowing this and teaching this and modeling this and allowing Christ to flow through them, allowing the Holy Spirit's immense power to touch others through them. That's why when Paul just walked... He was so saturated and so filled with the Holy Spirit that his shadow would just, bam, people healed. Bam, people got it. Bam. Not because of who he was, but because of what was living inside of him. And that same thing is in you. We shouldn't even have to say physical words. I think it was St. Francis of Assisi said, preach the gospel and use words when necessary. Because we are so saturated and so filled with who he is that it just oozes out of us. So he alone is the source of everything needed in the church. God has put everything beneath the authority of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. And has given him the highest rank above all others. <laughs> That's How do you add to that? And now we, his church, are his body. You are the living body of Jesus Christ himself walking this planet. That's who you are. That's your destiny. That's who God says you are. 
That's your eternal purpose. His body on the earth, which, this is so cool, this last part, that fills him, who is being filled by it. Basically, God fills the earth with himself, but actually what's filling him is us. See, it's us and him and he and us. Doesn't he say that in John chapter 17? He is complete because we're in him. You complete him. Why would we ever live in a place below that? Why would we ever not be secure in that? And as we get this, how can we model it? Well, I'm going to tell you, it's not through religious works. It's just receiving it and believing it and allowing him to act and work through us. Jesus Christ, the anointed one. Same power that raised Christ from the dead. Same Holy Spirit. Hmm. We need to repent and turn from the lies of the enemy. Know the strategy of the enemy. He can't change God's word, but he can sure try to change our minds about God's word. And he sure can get us living in a place where we're not living in the place up to the standard of God's word. And again, it's not about us working there because when you start reading all this, this was this is impossible. I we've done gone through Ephesians one, and I we have people who kind of say, "Well, this is so hard to do." In your flesh, it is hard to do because you can't do it in the flesh. This is like an impossible place to live in the flesh. But we're dead corpses already, and we made a great exchange. Born again. Do you understand what that means? Born again. You died. And you've been alive to something else. Dead men can't walk in the flesh. You're dead to all that junk. The enemy can't attack a dead person's mind. Actually, I don't want to say it that way because we have been given the mind of Christ, it says in the scriptures. Let's go to the next slide. So, here's the question. Which will you believe in? God's plan about your abundant life in him? are the lies of the enemy, insecurity and inferiority, bringing death and destruction. And I'll close with this. The thief, he's come, and he only has one thing in mind. He wants to steal. He wants to slaughter or kill and destroy. That's his job. That's the way he wants to do He wants to take you out. But Jesus is saying, I've come to give you everything in abundance and more than you expect. Life in its fullest oh, until you overflow. How many want to overflow? If we can have the... Uh, Amy, come on back up. We're going to close. And I said we would have an impartation service. Um, all I want to do is ask the Holy Spirit that's freely in this room and each one of us, the power of the living word is now put in the hands of the Holy Spirit to make real to us. It says in the scriptures, it says in John 16, 13, that the Spirit has come to lead us into all truth and to show us things to come. So I'm going to ask that the Holy Spirit of the living God begin to just saturate you with this truth and begin to bring a spirit of wisdom and revelation. 
I'm going to have Deb stand up for a minute, and I'm not going to do this well because it's not, it's just going to be from memory. But I want to just do a, come on over here. Okay, Deb is the person receiving Ephesians chapter 1, and God comes up to us and looks us in the eye, and he says, you're holy with unstained innocence in my eyes. <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to get through this. You're holy with unstained innocence in my eyes. And I've gave you the blood of my son to wash you clean. So when I see you, I see Jesus Christ. And before the foundation of the world, I created you for this, for such a time as this. You and I will be one for all eternity. And I want you to take and believe this. I've given you a destiny. I've given you a hope. I've given you all of heaven's riches and all the glory of heaven at your access to use. I want you to be illuminated. I want you to be a living advertisement of these things because the blood of Christ, his power of the blood of Christ, the redemption, the, the resurrection power lives in you. And now I'm going to take my signet ring, my authority ring, and I'm going to put within you the power of my Holy Spirit so all the world, all the universe will see that my power, my spirit lives in you. And as you walk in this, my child, I will give you a spirit of wisdom. I will give you a spirit of revelation so that you'll be able to walk this out. And I'll place you on high so that the light that's shining in through you will touch others around you. You will be, like I said, a living advertisement of this. Will you accept this? And I missed all kinds of it. But do you get it? You can sit down. Let's all stand. We're going to worship, but before we do, I just want to close with, um, I want to have an impartation ceremony, and I want God, because that's what God was saying. And so, instead of having everybody come forward, and receive it. And I just ask you, if you'd like, we're going to have the altars open. I'm, the, the prayer is more of the power of the Holy Spirit to reveal these things to you that we just talked about. More, more, more. That you know and understand that the battle belongs to the Lord. This is how we fight our battles, believing Him, intimate with Him. And He does all the fighting for us. So raise your hands, those who want to receive. I'm just going to speak over you right now. These, I'm going to just, I'll read that, those, that prayer. So I'm going to read that prayer over you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. So I'm going to read 16 or 17, 18, and 19 of Ephesians. I pray the Father of glory. The God of our Lord Jesus Christ would impart to you the riches of the spirit of wisdom and the spirit of revelation to know him through your deepening intimacy with him. I pray that the light of God would illuminate your eyes of your imagination, flooding you with light until you experience the full revelation of the hope of his calling. That is the wealth of God's glorious inheritances that he finds in us, his holy ones. I pray that you will continually experience the immeasurable greatness and God's power made available through faith. Then your lives will be an advertisement of this immense power as it works through you, 
Jesus' name. You may put your hands down. We're going to just worship.